Thank you so much. Um, I love being here in Ferndale. This is home. This feels like home to my family and I. Uh, we, I have a picture of my daughter Abigail when she was just a few weeks old, maybe, maybe a month or two old, um, and we were painting the nursery walls as we were getting ready to move into this building. It was no VOC paint. I promise I wasn't asphyxiating my infant. <laughs> Um, but CTK Ferndale really is home. We haven't been able to worship here as much as I would like lately because I am a, I'm the marriage and family pastor over at CTK Bellingham, um, and so I often have weekend responsibilities, but whenever I can sneak away, uh, this is where we want to be. We love it here. So when Rich, when Rich emailed me about his sabbatical and there was a list of the scriptures that he was going to be wanting covered while he was gone, and I saw Ephesians 6 on there. Um, I was super excited because like he said, I am passionate about families and about God's vision for families and how God designed families. And so I was really excited. Um, But of all the families I'm passionate about, my own family is my favorite. I have five kids. I'm still getting used to saying that out loud um, because We are adding to our family this summer um, three of our kids permanently. So I am officially permanently a mother of five. Um, So that's, yes, (laughs) I never thought that would be a thing, but here it is. So we have a son, Matthew, who is 24 years old. And then we have three 13-year-old boys, Aaron, Andrew, and Adrian. And then uh, our six-year-old daughter's name is Abigail. And so, yes, I have four A names, and I only named one of them. And it sounds really interesting when someone's in trouble, because it sounds like, one of you that starts with A, get over here, right? So I've set myself up for disaster here. But because I'm the mom of five kids, you better believe me when I say I really love Ephesians 6, especially the very first verse, which starts out, children, obey your parents. This is a good word this morning, folks. So now the kids in the room that are listening are thinking, are you serious? You had a family service so that you could call me in here and give me a lecture? I've heard this before. Um, So I know it's a popular verse among parents, but maybe not so much among kids, especially of the teenage variety. Um, So I'm hoping before they all revolt and stage a a walkout, I was actually hoping that I could get some help from the kids this morning. So if you're a kid, will you stand up for me really quick? It's going to be fun, I promise. And in fact, if you're a kid, you can stand up. And if you're a grown-up who just likes to do kid-like things to have fun, you can totally stand up too. Because we are going to play a game of Simon Says this morning, okay? So you guys know how this game works. Um, you, I'm going to give a list of, of commands, like stand up or sit down or turn in a circle. And if I say Simon Says before I give that command, then you do it, right? But if I don't say Simon Says, then don't do it because it's a trick. And that's how you get out, okay? So I think you guys can do this. It's also a good chance to wiggle. So let's go. Simon Says, sit down. Simon Says, stand up. Simon Says, turn in a circle. Simon says, touch your knees. Simon says, put your hands on your hips. Put your hands on your head. Oh, Simon didn't say. I saw some flinches in the first service. I got a lot of people with that one. Okay, you guys are really good. You're awake. You're awake. All right. Simon says, stand on one foot. Okay, put that foot down. 
Oh, Simon didn't say. Oh, some of you did it on accident. All right. Simon says, stand on one foot. Simon says, put the foot down. Simon says, put your hands on your hips. Simon says, put your hands on your shoulders. Simon says, put your hands on your head. All right. Simon says, have a seat and listen up. All right. Thank you for playing Simon Says with me this morning. You guys are really good at this. I'm going to have to up my Simon Says game if I want to get the 11 o'clock service out. But why in the world are we playing Simon Says in church this morning? Not just because the kids are here. And I totally love the grown-ups who stood up and played too because that would be me. I would be totally playing. Um, The reason we're playing Simon Says is because it has a lot to do with the scripture we're going to dive into this morning. And so if you brought your Bible with you, you can open to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians might be a well-worn passage for you right now because we've been there for a few weeks or months here in Ferndale. Um, So Ephesians chapter 6, and if you don't have your Bible, we have the verses up on the screen too. And we're going to start with verse 1, because the beginning is always a good place to start. And it says this, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. I love that when Paul tells us to obey, he says, why to obey, right? Because he knows how we are, he knows how kids are, but grown-ups, we got to admit, we're like this too. Somebody tells us to do something, and the first thing we want to know is, why? Why should I do it, right? So I don't know about your house, but why is a frequent response to my requests. And sometimes I don't mind answering why, but occasionally, like after the 87th time, it gets a little annoying. And so it sounds something like this, uh, can I go to the store? Not right now. Why? Can I have cake? No. Why? Don't sit on the arm of the furniture. Why? right? And I thought about keeping track of how many times as a parent I answer the question why in a week, but that would get too exhausting because those three examples came from 20 minutes on Wednesday night at my house. So, <laughs> so, um, so, you know, why is something that is a natural response when, when somebody tells us what to do, but it turns out that obeying our parents in the way that the Bible says is supposed to look a whole lot like a game of Simon Says. Parent says, pick up your toys. And so, you pick up your toys. Parent says, no video games until your chores are done. And so, you don't play video games until your chores are done. Or parent says, no Snapchat. And so, instead of getting on your friend's phone and creating an account that your parents know nothing about, you just don't have Snapchat. That's what the Bible means when it says children obey your parents. But man, that is hard. God's instructions are not always easy for us to swallow. Kids, it's not always fun to obey your parents, and it certainly isn't always cool to do it. And sometimes it really stinks and can be no fun at all. But if we believe that the creator of the universe, the same guy that put you together inside your mom's tummy, that knows every hair on your head, that put the stars in their place and keeps this earth in motion, if we believe that that same creator God knows what he is doing, then by all means we want to follow his advice because he's a pretty smart guy. He says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. So that's what we're supposed to do. Not because it's fun, not because it's easy, not because our friends are doing it, not even because it's fair. We obey our parents because God says so. Because according to the Bible, it's the right thing to do. Now, there is one thing that I want to unpack for you a little. Uh, In this verse, it says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. 
And when I read that, I kind of go like, what does that mean, obey your parents in the Lord? So here's what it means. It means obey your parents as long as what they're telling you to do does not go against God's rules. So it turns out that God, our Heavenly Father, is the boss of the bosses. So your parents are the boss of you, but God is the boss of them, and God is the ultimate boss of you. So if your parents tell you to lie, to cheat, to steal, you don't have to do it because God's the boss of the bosses. So when the Bible says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, it means as long as what they're telling you to do does not go against God's will. Now, parents in the room are probably getting kind of comfortable going, well, I mean, do not murder, do not lie, do not steal. These sound like pretty good rules to me. Why would I ever tell my kids to do something that is against God's will? But sometimes it hits a little closer to home when we think about things like downloading pirated music or movies or sneaking candy into the movie theater or lying about our kids' age at a restaurant or for admission into a park. Right, parents, we want to be careful that we are not sending our kids a double message. We want to be sure that our children can obey us without disobeying God. So we want to lead by obeying God and submitting to his authority. Okay, so now the kids are thinking, yikes, I don't want to go to family service ever again. They just, the parents stage a coup and they, they lecture us all morning long. So kids, I want you to know something. At the end of the service, we're going to pick on the parents, okay? So tune in. You may even want to get a pen, pa- pen and paper ready because you're probably going to write down the verse that I tell you at the end. But before we get there, we're going to do Ephesians 6, 2, and 3. So reading on after 1, after verse 1 where it says, Children, obey your parents. I love these verses. They go so well with Father's Day. It says, Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you, and you may enjoy a long life on earth. So we're actually going to honor dads this morning because it's Father's Day. And so Brody and Luke agreed to help me out with honoring dads this morning. They have a pretty cool dad, but we're not going to honor just Howie. So there's some baskets of Lindor chocolates here. And, um, and one of them's going to take one side of the room, and the other will take the other side of the room. And if you are a dad... If you are a dad-type person, if you're a stepdad, if you are a, uh, a, a father figure in somebody's life, we just want to honor you with some Lindor chocolate this morning, right? We did not get the cheap stuff. Um, and, and you can choose dark chocolate, white chocolate, milk chocolate. So the boys are going to just start working their way down the rows, and they will offer you candy. If the title of dad of some sort fits you, we want to honor you. So go ahead and take the candy. Um, And we want to share with you, um, thank you so much for what you do. Dads, the world is a different place because you're in it. You matter. And so we want to honor you this morning. What honoring is, is just giving someone credit for the good that they have done, right? Or respecting someone for their position. So that's what we're doing when we say honor your mother and father. It means give them credit for the good that they've done or respect their position. So let's think about this. Parents, grown-ups, if you're in the room and you are thinking, oh good, she's still picking on the kids, it turns out I'm not. Because these verses are not about just children. When we're children, we obey our parents. But when we grow up, we don't have to obey our parents anymore. But we do have to honor them. 
it turns out that we all have parents, maybe great parents, maybe not so great parents, but at a minimum, there is someone who helped care for us until we were old enough to care for ourselves. And for some of us, we maybe have multiple people who did that for us, maybe in the, storm, in the form of a step-parent or maybe a grandparent who filled that role. Somebody helped to care for us while we were too young to care for ourselves. And hopefully, for most of us, they did even more than that. So these verses are for all of us when it says, honor your mother and father. And I want you to notice something. Verse 1 comes with sort of a obey your parents if they're not disobeying God. But these verses on honoring our father and mother, they don't come with that same caveat. It doesn't say honor your mother and father if they're honorable. Or honor your parents if you want to or if you feel like it. No, these verses say honor your mother and father. In fact, honoring our parents is more about our relationship with God than it is about our relationship with them. We honor our parents because God said so. In fact, honoring was so important to God that when he took Moses up on a mountain and he's like, spoke in the booming voice, and there were tablets of stone, and these rules were written on the stone. You probably heard of them called the Ten Commandments. When that happened, way back in the day, honor your mother and father was so important to God that it made his top ten list. So right up there with do not murder, do not steal, don't worship other gods, don't commit adultery, right up there with those rules, God put honor your father and mother. Because it matters. God made us, he knows us, and he knows what what we need. And like the verses tell us, this is the first commandment that God ever gives with a promise. Right? It says, honor your mother and father so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy a long life on earth. The ESV says, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy a long life in the land. And so what it's talking about is the promised land. So God promised the Israelites that there was this land flowing with milk and honey, this land that he created for them that was good. And the Israelites were on their way there, and God said, honor your father and mother so that it may go well with you. Our equivalent today is that we would live long in the blessings of God. Part of God's best for us happens when we honor our mother and father. Good stuff happens when we honor our parents, at least according to God. But how does that work? Because some of us, we have parents that are really easy to honor, and others, not so much. And I don't want to oversimplify this, because I realize that in every room, there are kids who've been disappointed, let down, maybe even abused, neglected, or abandoned by the very people who were supposed to be their parents. So sometimes honoring parents isn't an easy thing to do. But let me help you out a little by letting you know what honor is not. Honor is not necessarily opening ourselves up to unhealthy relationships with people who are still harmful to us. Honor does not mean allowing people to treat you poorly and never setting boundaries. Honor does not mean exposing our children to people who are harmful simply because they are our parents. And honor does not mean ignoring the elephant in the room and never acknowledging the hurt in the name of being a good Christian. You can obey God 
and honor your father and mother, even while maintaining boundaries that might be important. So here's a couple of places to consider, because it turns out God doesn't let us off the hook for honoring our parents, even if we need those boundaries. So here's where we can start. The first place is to forgive. So turns out there are no perfect parents. Uh, We're all going to blow it sometimes. At my house, I offer to pay for future therapy because I know I'm going to mess it up sometimes, right? And hopefully, if you're a parent in the room, you're still not thinking that you could do this perfectly because that's impossible. There are no perfect parents, only growing parents. We're going to mess it up sometimes, and that means that most of us have at least a couple of things that we needed to or still need to forgive our parents for. Matthew 6.14 says, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. And honestly, that's a hard teaching because we all want to be forgiven when we blow it, but forgiving others, that's harder. And this is another case of God knowing what is best for us. Because he created us, because he knows how we work, God knows what's best for us. And I once heard a guy talking, and he said that unforgiveness or refusing to forgive someone is like drinking poison and hoping the other person gets sick. Right? When we hold on to unforgiveness, it's bad for our health and our well-being. Right? Holding bitterness, holding grudges, it takes a toll on us. Ephesians 4, 30-32 says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, and slander. That's talking badly about people, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ forgave you. That's not an easy prescription, but it is for our good. Holding on to bitterness, anger, and resentment from the past actually causes harm to our physical bodies over time. Science has shown that that kind of anger and bitterness wears us down. And that speaks nothing of the relational havoc that is often spread from generation to generation when we don't process the hurts of our past. Our creator God knows what we need, and he implores us to forgive. Another way that we can begin to honor even our parents who are hard to honor is to choose what we focus on. Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. The Bible is saying if you want to know what to give your focus and attention to, focus on those things that are pure and lovely, whatever's good, whatever is praiseworthy. I love that it says if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, as if you're looking for what that could be. And this is not to say that we ignore the bad. We need to acknowledge the hurts in our lives. It's true. We need to process the damage that's been done and bring that to God because it matters. It's important that we navigate feelings that may have been caused by difficult childhood experiences. And it's healthy to be honest with ourselves and with helpful others. Living in denial of our past is not healthy, but neither is dwelling on it. 
We don't need to meditate on the hurt that others have caused in our life. It's not helpful to give all of our attention and to fixate on the wrong that our parents have done. It only makes the hurt worse. Instead, whatever you can find that is pure and true or lovely or admirable or praiseworthy, whatever you can find, don't forget about those things. In fact, look for them. On Tuesday, our twins turned 13, making the official household three 13-year-olds. And I was, I was tucking them into bed and praying for them at night. I prayed for the mom that brought them into this world, and I thanked God for her. Because they're with us, that means that their life has been pretty complicated. But it doesn't mean that there's nothing honorable about their family of origin. We see what we're looking for. And sometimes we have to look hard. But if we're looking for something to honor about our parents, chances are we can find something. So finally, if you want to honor, honor your parents, it's going to take a little investment on your part. Now, I'm not suggesting that you need to buy them elaborate gifts or pay off their house, but if my kids are listening, those are okay ideas too, right? (laughs) Not really. Well, kind of, but, (laughs) right? I just mean that honor takes a little bit of your time. It's simple things like call your parents once in a while. Are we recording this for my grown-up son? (laughs) All right. Make them a priority in your schedule, like they did when they drove you to all those sports meets or coached you or took you to your activities. Tell them those positive thoughts, the happy memories, the things you appreciate about them. When they come to mind, don't save them all up for Mother's Day or Father's Day. Even if you just send them a quick text letting them know you're thinking of them or you appreciate them. Take time to help them with their project and try to do it with joy rather than making them feel like an inconvenience. If your parents are like most, then they probably want your sincere appreciation and time with you more than anything else. So take some time regularly to honor your parents. And if you can't do it for them, then remember there is a promise in this for you. Life goes better for you according to God, and he's pretty smart, when you honor your mother and father. So we've only looked at three little verses, and there's so much to unpack because God has a lot to say about families. But before we close today, I want to make sure that we get to Ephesians uh, 6, verse 4. Kids, this is the verse you want to write down. Ephesians 6, verse 4. Now the parents in the room are going to be upset with me that I'm exposing you to this verse in the Bible. We keep it hidden on purpose. I don't even think they teach it to you in Kids Rock, okay? And there's a reason for that. They don't want the parents to be upset with you. This is what Ephesians 6 verse 4 says. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Now, I feel a little bad picking on the fathers this morning because it's Father's Day. So fill in the blank with fathers, mothers, teachers, adult authority figures of all kinds. Here's the deal. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, Bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Now, in case you're not sure what exasperated children look like, I brought some examples. So I could have put a GoPro, yes, 
I could have put a GoPro on my head and just snapped pictures all day long yesterday and used the images of my very own children's faces, but I don't think they would like that, and GoPros aren't that comfortable. So instead, I brought pictures of kids that nobody actually knows. Um, but this might be what your kid looks like if they are exasperated. Or it could be this. Ah, right? And kids, this might be what your parents look like when they're exasperated too. All right. And then we got this one, right? That's exasperation, like wringing your hair out. If you're a kid in the room this morning, being exasperated means that you are so frustrated and you're really angry and you feel kind of powerless. That's what it means to be exasperated. So kids, can you make a face like you're super frustrated angry and feeling kind of powerless and show that to a grown-up around you that way they will recognize it when they see it all right those are some good faces in the first service there was one kid who just started whacking his head with a notebook and i thought that is a good image of what it looks like to be exasperated and that is exactly what the bible is telling us parents not to do do not exasperate your children. Or another translation says, do not provoke them to anger. So many of us as Christian parents are more familiar with the verses in the Bible that say things like, spare the rod and spoil the child, or the father disciplines the one he loves, right? At least those are the common paraphrases of very real verses in Scripture. Those verses matter. All of Scripture says if we love our kids, we will set limits. We will have boundaries. We will hold them accountable because that's what's good for us. That's what's good for them. But how we discipline matters. That we discipline matters and how we discipline matters. And this verse tells us how to do that. Instead of disciplining in ways that push our kids over the edge and exasperate them and make them frustrated and angry, we should do our best to discipline in ways that do not provoke our children. Now, we have to keep another verse in mind here, and it's Romans 12, 18, which says this. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And I put this in here because the truth is it's not always going to be possible to keep peace with your kids. Ephesians 6.4 gives us the recipe to do our part as far as it depends on us. But discipline is not fun. Even when you do your best not to provoke your children to anger, sometimes they might still get exasperated for you, with you, because you're disciplining them. But the verse doesn't say, don't make your children angry. If it did, we'd all go around just letting our kids do whatever they want, right? Because that, oh, see, I was looking for that reaction in the first service. I was looking for an amen or a yes or a good idea from the kids in the room, right? If the verse said, don't make your children angry, then we could do that by simply giving them whatever they wanted, whenever they wanted, and they would probably never get mad at us. Yeah, <laughs> I think that was my kid. <laughs> but according to the rest of the Bible, unfortunately, Aaron, that is not loving. <laughs> Letting our kids get away with things just to avoid a fight actually sets them up for disaster. And that's not what this verse is talking about. 
the verse doesn't say don't provoke your children to anger. It, sa- it does say don't provoke your children to anger, but what that means is don't add fuel to the fire. Don't poke them. Don't be unnecessarily harsh. And this verse goes on to tell us what to do instead. The second half of Ephesians 4 says, instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. And at first glance, you might think that means, okay, don't provoke your kids to anger. Instead, teach them about Jesus. And teaching them about Jesus is a good idea, but that's not what this verse is saying. What it's really saying is, Instead, don't exasperate your kids. Instead, lead them like God leads you. Bring them up in the way that Jesus would. And I don't know about you parents, but that makes me squirm because that is a tall order. It is not always easy to be like Christ, especially when you're tripping over the same pair of shoes for the 27th time. Or you say something and their eyes roll right? Not the easiest time to be Christ-like. So what are we supposed to do, and where do we even start? Do we need to memorize the whole New Testament to know how to be a good parent, or at least the first four Gospels? Is that where we start? Well, lucky for us, Jesus summarized most all of his teachings in John 13, verse 34, when he says this, a new command I give to you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. And this is it in a nutshell, parents. Don't exasperate your children. Instead, love them like Christ has loved you. So often when we hear 1 Corinthians 13, it's at weddings or someplace where it's about romantic love. But 1 Corinthians 13 is about so much more than that. 1 Corinthians 13 is God's definition of what love looks like. And in 13, 4 through 7, it says this, love is patient and kind. So parents, we have to ask ourselves, are our interactions with our children patient and kind? Even when we need to set limits, correct bad behavior, or enforce a boundary. Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. So moms and dads, do we manage to stay off our high horse? One of the biggest predictors of demise in a relationship is the use of contempt. And contempt are those sarcastic comments or those little things that we say to get across the point that we are better or smarter or more important than another person. And so when we use contempt, when we're snarky or sarcastic with our kids, we are being arrogant and rude. And according to this scripture, that's not what love looks like. Reading on, it says, love, it does not insist on its own way. Have you ever heard or thought it's my way or the highway? (laughs) Right? Is there room in our relationship with our kids so that they can share their voice respectfully? Can your kids influence you? And then it says, it is not irritable or resentful. Not irritable. I'm not going to lie. This is a tough one for me. I have four kids at home. 
three of them are teenagers. And if I'm to be totally honest, sometimes being a mom is tough work. Sometimes being a dad is tough work, especially when there's a long list of demands or a constant need for attention or bickering that never stops or when you are asking them to pick up the same thing for the 87th time, even though they have a bedroom to keep their stuff in. And for me, maybe the hardest is when you get faced with that ungrateful attitude that might be coming. When I experience the pressures of parenthood, sometimes I get irritated. Anybody else? Just me? Sometimes I get irritated, but when I am irritated... I have a choice. Am I going to do the hard work internally? Am I going to take this to Jesus? Am I going to do some self-soothing? Am I going to calm myself down? Or am I going to make a list of the offenses of my kids and use that as an excuse to be irritable? Because you can be irritated without being irritable. One of them is a feeling and the other is a behavior. And I got to think that Jesus got irritated with those disciples. They asked a lot of annoying questions. And he had to explain things over and over again. And they didn't do the simplest things that he asked, like stay here and keep watch and pray. And he comes back and they're sleeping, right? I'm sure that Jesus got irritated. But being irritated is different than being irritable. Parents, are we irritable with our kids? And I got to say that when we, we, that another translation of the Bible, instead of resentful, says it keeps no record of wrongs. So when our kiddos get in trouble, do they hear a list of everything they've done wrong for the last 12 weeks? Are we keeping a record or are we allowing them to learn from their mistakes, make repairs, and move on? And more importantly, I don't think that God's admonishment to not keep a record of wrongs is as much about the offender, the kid, as it is about us, the offended. When we store up offenses, when we keep records of wrongs, when we focus on what's wrong instead of giving attention to what's right, our attitude towards that person, even our precious child, starts to suffer. And before we know it, we're missing most of the good stuff because we are too focused on the bad stuff. And that makes us resentful, and it makes them exasperated. Let's keep going. Verse 6 says, It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. As parents, this means that we are willing to confront poor behavior choices. We set limits, and we speak the truth in love. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Most of all, a father's love, a mother's love, should never stop hoping, believing, and waiting. And sometimes that means getting through a lot of tough stuff. In some cases, there are a whole lot of lemons before you get to sip any lemonade, right? But God doesn't give up on us. His love for us never fails. And that can be true in the way that we parent our kids, whether they're children or adult children. God's love for us never fails, and we want to have the kind of love that never fails. Even if our kids are making choices that put distance between us, even if we have to set real boundaries because of where they're at in life, we can keep hoping 
We can keep persevering. We can never give up. Some people go to school for years to learn about family systems. But lucky for Gus, God sort of summarizes it all in four verses right here in Ephesians. Children, obey your parents. It turns out they're kind of smart most of the time. It's good for you. All of us honor our father and mother, not just because it's good for them, because the truth is it's also good for us. And parents, love your kids like Christ loved you. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for a day with families in a room together, worshiping you, learning from your word, sitting side by side. God, you are the creator of family. This is not by accident. You created us to depend on one another, to love each other, to support each other, to encourage each other, to build each other up. So God, I praise you for the families present here today. And Lord, I pray for those of us who may have come from families that didn't give us the love and support we needed. God, would you reveal to us more and more and more what it looks like to have a heavenly father, a good, good father who loves us and is for us, who is patient and kind and loving and forgiving, and who also sets boundaries and has limits and allows consequences in our life. Lord, as believers, would you help us to leave here today, and would you help us to have families that show people what you look like? That's not going to be easy, and we're going to need your help. So, Lord, help us to love you. Help the children to obey the parents. Help all of us to honor our father and mother. And, Lord, help us to love like you love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.